What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Lakers Outsiders podcast, coming to you straight after whatever uh, that game won against the Houston Rockets was. Uh, I'm not your usual host. I am Hani Amadian. Gary Kester is out of town conveniently <laughs> for this weekend, so he won't be here. But I am joined with a very good friend of mine, uh, Justin Jett, notable Rockets fan that I have had many <laughs> arguments with about uh, James Harden um, and somebody that I used to write with at uh, uh, Def Ben Hoops. So uh, before we get started, Justin, how are you doing? I'm feeling really good. I don't know about you or maybe the rest of the listener base, but I- I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. If, <laughs> if this ends up being about 30 minutes of Justin just gloating in my face, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, hopefully hopefully we can bring you a little bit more. It'll uh, be struck from the record. We'll just delete it. We'll just delete this whole podcast. It's going to be like the, uh, the tape of uh, Jordan Crawford dunking on. <laughs> yes. It'll just be deleted from all servers. um all right so before we get started just uh you know our our usual as always you can always find this podcast on any streaming platform just search for lakers outsiders on apple spotify uh podbean etc the socials uh at lakers outsiders both on twitter and instagram follow us on facebook as well and all our work of of course is on lakersoutsiders.com uh, you can follow me at H-O-N-I-A-H-M and Justin at, at J-U-S-T-I-N-J-E-T-T underscore. I believe that is correct. Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. That was all from memory. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. I was wondering if you were going to get the underscore or not because that yeah. is forgettable. <laughs> I, I made a note of that this morning when I was talking to you about getting on here and I was like, I got to remember that. <laughs> and I did. So I'm proud of myself. Um, all right, so I guess the the very easy first question is, what the hell was that? So, um, what was just your reaction to the game in general, and and of course the Rockets coming away with a big game one win? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with some optimism for the Lakers side of it. Honestly, um, Harden really is typically a better game one performer early in the series performer than he is the back end. Um, and as we saw the series before this, the Lakers lost game one to the Blazers as well. And they're actually pretty similar performances in that Damian Lillard scored 34 points. Uh, Siege McCollum got 21 and then they got third help from Nurkic with 16. So it was pretty similar in which Harden got 36, Westbrook with 24, and then Eric Gordon with 23. Obviously the Rockets won by a little bit more than the Blazers did. But what happened was the key guys, the big guys, they stepped up in that game one. And then everyone knows what happened the following games in that Blazers series. And so I'm really interested uh, to see what happens in game two because game ones can be tricky. Game ones can really be confusing on how a series actually is going to go. I don't think they actually send a good precedent for how the rest of the series is going to go. There's usually adjustments made. The better team usually wins out. Um, So I am happy with the win today uh, for the Rockets, but I'm a little cautiously negative about it just because i've seen this hard in a lot um and i want to see more good games down the stretch yeah and i think that, that's a really interesting point because it's it kind of fits into uh not only the lakers just based on what we know of, of their playoff uh you know record with this team which isn't a whole lot it's just one series but also sort of lebron james teams in general and lebron 
uh, kind of taking it a little bit chill in, in a first game of a series where he's kind of just gauging um, the levels of the two teams and, and really it's almost like he's taking a snapshot of, of what the series is going to be like before he before he adjusts. Um, yeah. from, from that perspective, I do understand that sort of optimism for the Lakers of, you know, you didn't get the best out of your two stars, although I don't think they were as, as bad as they were in game one against the Blazers. Yeah. Um, and, and there were, to me, a lot of correctable mistakes. And I don't think any one thing that the Lakers did was just god-awful and, and, and caused this loss, but I think they made a ton of smaller mistakes that just over the course of the game really added up. Um, yeah. no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the one thing I was really concerned about I was watching the game day for the Lakers is that James Harden, when he puts his mind to it, he's a great driver. Now, he doesn't always want to do that. That's why he has those terrible games when he's one for 10 from three-point line. Uh, But if he puts his mind to it, he's very good at driving the basket, using his body, obviously getting fouls and finishing. And Russ is as as well. Um, And as is Eric Gordon, actually, his first step, Eric Gordon's first step, even though he's a little manic, he's a little crazy, his first step is very fast, and the Lakers guards had a real hard time with stopping them at the three-point line and then keeping them there. There was a lot of dribble penetra- penetration for the uh, Rockets guards, and that's one thing that the Blazers don't really have. C.J. McCollum is much more of a shooter. His whole career has not been a good uh, person to get to the free-throw line. He doesn't draw a lot of contact. He doesn't yeah. drive to the hoop that much, and so that's one big distinction, I think, is that I'm not sure there's any Lakers guards who can really guard Harden, uh, maybe a little bit of Russ, but definitely not Harden when he wants to drive into the paint. And so that's one aspect I think the Lakers will have a, a hard time with where they didn't have uh, with the Blazers. Yeah, and and I, I did want to get to Harden in, in general just because of the great game that he had and the Lakers' game plan of, of defending him. I thought, you know, a, a couple of things stood out to me. One, um, most... Uh, most times, if if they did, if if they stuck to the game plan, it seemed to be that the the guards for the Lakers and really a lot of guys got opportunities. It was Danny Green got a, a lot of chances, um, KCP did, Kyle Kuzma did, and even LeBron got a few possessions. Um, they they seem to really want to sit on his left shoulder, uh, which really kind of prevents that step back that he's so great at, and, and that's what they really wanted to to guard against. They, they were very. Uh, seemingly very invested in just making sure he doesn't get that step back off. Of course, that leads to them being out of position when he, when he does drive. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a whole lot of reliance on now your, your back line, Anthony Davis, or if, or if it's a moment where JaVale or Dwight Howard are in the game, those guys kind of stepping up and being able to stop them. And it kind of seemed like when those drives happened, either those guys were late and uh, Harden was able to get a layup, and, you know, whoever the, whoever is guarding him, unless it's LeBron, they're not going to be as strong as James Harden. And I think that's something that a lot of people who don't watch Harden as, as often as uh, you or other Rockets fans do, don't really realize that, you know, just because he's not very athletic doesn't mean he can't use, you know, his, his brute strength just to really get those advantages against, against people. And so if you're not staying in front of him, he's going to put his shoulder into you and just bump you off and be able to stay on balance and get a layup. So... In those instances when the bigs weren't there to to really meet him at the rim, he was getting easy looks or getting fouled. And when they did get there, he was finding shooters. And 
you know, the Rockets didn't have a great shooting night, by, especially by their standards. Um, they also shot the fewest three-pointers that they had all playoffs so far uh, by a decent margin. I believe they took 39, and I think in the first round they didn't have any games where they shot fewer than 44 uh, three-pointers. You know, they hit 14 of them. That's a pretty decent mark. It's not great. Man, it seemed like every other possession they were getting an open shot in the corners, and that's terrifying to me because they, they missed some very makeable looks. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, if there is a concern for me, part of it is that, is that the Lakers really weren't able to guard Harden either for the shot or for the pass uh, as well as they should. They weren't really able to take any singular thing away from him other than maybe the step back. Yeah, there was a few moments where they actually uh, guarded it pretty well. Um, that when they sit on his left shoulder, uh, one thing that is important for them to do is they need to make him shoot in the middle of the paint. Do not let him drive. Don't let him get all the way to the hoop. His entire career, he has struggled heavily with shooting the floater. Now, he has it. He has it in his bag because he has pretty much everything. But it's the aspect that he struggles with the most. And so what the centers need to do is they need to pull way back into the paint and pretty much underneath the hoop. And that forces him to shoot that floater. Now, because the Lakers use two bigs, both the bigs are pulled out to the three-point line with P.J. Tucker in the corner and usually another you know, semi-power forward in the other corner. And so it's tougher to meet those assignments and not just run directly towards him for the block. Because if you just run directly towards him, he's going to go around you. Like you said, he's going to use his body to navigate around the, the hoop and get a layup. They have to be disciplined. They have to stay back. And they have to force him to either shoot the floater or to pass it out and to recover. And so one big thing that I think they need to stop playing Dwight. And now I'm not sure his who his replacement would be. I think that's probably something maybe you would have some insight on. Uh, but what I saw tonight, Dwight Howard's just not playable. Um, you can't have Dwight and another big or even just seem like just Dwight. He just is not disciplined enough on that aspect of the game. Um, and so it, is there somebody that you would rather have in his spot? Uh, so I don't know if it makes sense in his spot specifically, but somebody that we mentioned when we did our uh, series preview podcast as an X Factor was Markeith Morris. Mm. Um, just because Morris kind of gives – a little bit of the best of both worlds for the Lakers. I don't know how long they can stick with playing these two big lineups. They actually were okay this game uh, when they played uh, both JaVale and AD and, and, you know, to a lesser extent, Dwight and AD. Um, and I think I think JaVale actually ended up having, being the only <laughs> Laker with a positive plus minus. Yeah. Uh, interesting. five. Yeah. Um, but uh, Morris kind of gives them an opportunity where he's a guy who can stick on those wings, especially kind of the slower ones like Covington or, or P.J. Tucker. But he also kind of – he still plays big. He's, he can still crash the glass. He can still be kind of a, a physical force. He's not a rim protector by any means, but um, he, he can kind of give you a little bit of both of those. Now, I don't know if that means that you're playing him as your small ball five, and I don't think the Lakers would go to that well, at least not – this quickly but i think he he should get more minutes and like you said yeah i I, dwight was one of the more disappointing players and it's it's obviously not his fault entirely that they lost there was a lot of mistakes from a lot of players but uh dwight when when he plays his one role is basically to rebound and to protect the uh, protect the paint and i don't think he did a great job of either of those things but the rebounding especially 
and this was again something that the Lakers as a whole struggled with uh, relative to you know how they play versus the Rockets. And, and you know, I wanted to actually touch on this. The rebounding t- uh, totals dead even. Uh, Lakers mm-hmm. are forty-one re- rebounds. The Rockets forty-one. Now the Lakers got more offensive rebounds because they missed more shots. Um, but that's something to me that is pretty unacceptable in this series, especially if the Lakers are gonna play, you know, at least a few minutes with two bigs on the floor. Um, what did you kind of see about you know how the Rockets played or how the Lakers played that kind of led to that? Uh, the rebounding disparity not being as big as you would expect. Yeah, so one thing, it's funny because P.J. Tucker is made out to be this tiny, pint-sized center, but he is incredibly aggressive on the glass, and he does not let up. One thing I noticed in the fourth quarter when the lead was starting to extend, he just wanted it more, it seemed like, uh, than the other Laker players where he just wanted the rebound. He wanted to grab the rebound more than anything. And so that was one aspect of it. It's interesting that you, you uh, talked about the rebounding because um, one big thing that's been talked about this whole series is the just the math, obviously, the math of the game with yeah. the number of three-pointers that the Rockets uh, shoot versus the very few that the Lakers take. And so like you said, if the Lakers are not beating them on the glass and playing two bigs and they're shooting fewer threes, you just can't, you can't win basketball games in 2020 like that. And so... One big thing is they just have to make sure that P.J. Tucker's boxed out and, and Anthony Davis really needs to be aggressive to the boards. And um, I said this on Twitter, I think, uh, two weeks ago, but Anthony Davis, it's been a big problem his entire career. He does not want to play center. He actively, actively hates it. Um, I actually covered the Pelicans for about a year. And it was something I was frustrated with um, because the Pel- those Pelicans teams, they could have been a lot better. But they had to invest in Omar Oshiks. You know, they tried out DeMarcus Cousins because he just did not want to play center. He needed another big next to him. And a part of that is, you know, the rebounding battle that he doesn't want to really go up there and fight as hard uh, with the other centers or with P.J. Tucker in this uh, circumstance. And so that's something that they're really going to have to figure out. Um, I don't know if they have to beat him on the glass by too much. Um, obviously, offensively, it would be helpful for them to beat him by a lot. Um, but I think Davis definitely has to be aggressive to the boards because P.J. Tucker brings that energy every single game. Yeah, and there were multiple instances. You know, Tucker ends up with three offensive rebounds, uh, three of the four that the, the Rockets had all game. Um, and I think he got his hands on a few more as well. And he... They always come from when he's standing in the corner, he just crashes the glass. And that seems to be the Rockets game plan of, look, we can get a few extra possessions just because nobody's expecting the dude in the corner to come crashing the glass. And uh, because of the way the Lakers bigs play where they're kind of closer to the paint, they're not, you know, the dude 10 feet away from them, they're not boxing that guy out. But mm-hmm. he, he makes up that space and he uh, out jumps them and he get the, gets those rebounds. I don't think AD necessarily had a poor rebound and he ended up with 14 of them, but you are right in that um, just the Lakers in general, you know, not being able to kind of uh, exert their will on the, on the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wouldn't be as concerned about not winning the rebound battle by much if there were the turnover battle was, was one, but like you said, the math problem is an issue. And if the Rockets are going to be outscoring the Lakers from the three point line, every single game, like I expect they will just because it takes so many of them. Um, and are generally a better shooting team than the Lakers, then you need to have those extra possessions. And that means getting offensive rebounds, and that means limiting your turnovers. 
Um, and so the Lakers, you know, they had 10 offensive rebounds, gave up four to the Rockets. So I guess they have a plus six advantage there. Uh, but then the turnover battle, they lost that by one. And some of those turnovers were just immensely silly. They had, I think, at least three where they were on entry passes uh, to the post. Um, they had one where it was just a really dumb miscommunication between LeBron and AD. There was a miscommunication between Caruso and uh, Markeith Morris. And that led to, uh, I believe, 27 points off turnovers for the Rockets uh, compared to 12 for the Lakers. And, you know, to me, you know, th- this game aside, I don't think you're going to be winning the series if you're losing the possession paddle or at least not winning it by a big enough margin because you're probably going to get outscored by three. And that's a huge, huge advantage for the Rockets. Yeah, totally. And uh, that was a big theme uh, with the Rockets, their last series. They were doing a really good job of not turning the ball over a lot and creating a lot of turnovers. Most of their wins, I believe, they won the turnover battle by a a big margin. And so that's just, I I think, a big part of it. They're small, they're quick. P.J. Tucker is aggressive. Russ is obviously aggressive. And Harden this season has had a keen eye for stealing balls, uh, for getting blocked shots. And so they're really just creating uh, havoc with their small ball lineup. It's not really discussed much. You know, you know, the rebounding is discussed way more often. But because they're so small, they're very fast. And teams aren't really used to the micro ball uh, on defense, especially. They're used to, you know, that many threes. A lot of teams shoot a ton of threes. But on defense, they're flying around. They're able to get doubles onto Anthony Davis fast. They're able to recover fast. And so... Uh, one question I actually had for you is, so Harden obviously had an amazing game, um, and I'm hoping he continues that. Um, other than just waiting for playoff James for, to become playoff James, what other strategic things do you think the Lakers could do? Do they want to put LeBron on him? Will, would LeBron actually do that? Do they want to bring Markeith in and you know put some size on him? What, what do you think is the move strategically um, to help stop Harden from getting 36 on 60% shooting? I, I don't think they would put LeBron on him, at least not for the full game. Maybe they go to that will in a fourth quarter in a close game. But for the most part, they they would rather have LeBron guarding, uh, you know, a, a player that's not as good offensively, not necessarily because he can't guard them, but because they like using him as kind of that free safety yeah. uh, on the weak side where you can kind of create steals. Um, and if he's the one creating steals, then they're going down in transition and more more often than not getting uh, getting a, a basket. Um, it's hard because the Lakers don't have a guy like Lou Dort that the Thunder have where you feel comfortable putting him on hard and one-on-one and not having to double team ever. Dort is a, a guy who's a lot stronger, a lot you know bigger, just like – from from a mass perspective, he's bigger than yeah. the, Lake, the guys that the Lakers have that can guard uh, Harden. None of Kuzma, Caruso, KCP, Danny Green have the same strength, so they they're all getting bumped off. I yeah, that's I, a scary thing. I, I, I've seen Danny Green uh, guard Harden very well many times. Uh, I know it's probably been talked about endlessly uh, because he's been so poor. I still have a lot of faith in Danny Green, but yeah. you know he might just be getting to the age where he's not going to be the same. But yeah. His ineptitude, honestly, at guarding James and even on the offensive end was really scary if I were a Lakers fan because, like you said, I don't, I'm don't, i not sure the bodies I would put on Harden. You can't really put Caruso. Danny Green had no chance. Uh, Rondo's not going to be much of a factor. So 
I really think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to double, and we've seen this yeah. all season long on Harden, and make Russ beat you because Russ is not the player he was the second half of the season. He was very good the second half of the year. Um, he just doesn't look the same right now. Um, and so if you double hard and force the ball in Russ's hands over and over, uh, I think that will be very, very helpful because Harden can get 40. I'm not sure if this version of Russ, if I have faith that he's going to get 40 in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, ultimately I think that that is what the Lakers will do. Will They will double team Harden, especially on those pick and rolls, uh, more often than they did in this game. And they kind of went to it a little bit more in the second half. And, you know, if, if Russ is the guy catching the ball in a four on three situation, it's a little bit scary just because he can get a head full of steam and, and go at you. And that, that is a dangerous sight. But from a decision making perspective, I'm way more comfortable having Russ make those decisions of whether he passes, whether he shoots, whether he drives than I am with Harden. And, you know, I, I think Russ had a decent game today, but. There were, there were points in this game, especially in the first half, where I thought he was kind of actually keeping the Lakers in the game with some of his decision-making. Uh, obviously, in the second half, they went on that crazy run when Harden was sitting and Westbrook was on the floor. I think they outscored the Lakers by 12 in, that, in like a three- or four-minute span uh, between the end of the third and the start of the fourth, and that's mm-hmm. basically what blew the game wide open, which is just another issue that the Lakers, you know, cannot have that happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you that uh, – defensively the the plan should mostly be get the ball in Westbrook's hands rather than Harden's and force him to make decisions and kind of live with what what that entails completely um another question I actually had for you who were you most disappointed in this game (laughs) because I think there's a lot of blame to go around but uh I'm really curious who were you expecting to step up in this series uh who game one just didn't have it um, from a player perspective, I think what is most disappointing was Kyle Kuzma's game, but I don't, it, it's hard to completely fault him as well. He didn't have the most amazing, uh, first round series offensively, uh, especially shooting the ball. He, he shot the ball really well in the eight seeding games. Then in the playoffs he, that those numbers kind of dropped, but defensively he was great. He was legitimately, uh, maybe their best perimeter defender in that first round series. This game, especially against Eric Gordon, he he was cooked multiple times, and that was disappointing to me. The offensive side of it, I, I kind of take what I can get with with Kuzma offensively. There are days where he's going to score twenty. There's days where he he's not going to have it. I do think today he was a little bit um, put in not a great situation because of Rajan Rondo coming back, which is the other big storyline of this game. I think is. Rondo coming back for the first time uh, playing again since March and playing over 20 minutes and really not looking great for most of the game. He had he had some moments where, where he looked pretty good, but other moments where he was throwing the ball away. Um, he apparently had the worst shoes of all time because he slipped like five different times <laughs> in this game. Um, and, you know, his defense is always, always going to be an issue. Uh, so... Truly the most disappointing person to me was Frank Vogel for playing Rondo as many minutes. I think there is a role for Rondo in this series, but I think that role is strictly a minutes where LeBron is not playing just to have him there to uh, kind of buoy the offense a little bit and, and run a few pick and rolls with Anthony Davis when you don't have really anything else going and just living with 
you know, the, the bad defense that he brings. But, man, playing this many minutes, playing this many minutes over Alex Caruso, it's just it's, it's not the right way. Uh, Caruso, I think, was the third best player for the Lakers this, year, this game. And obviously some of it was foul trouble and, and a couple of the foul calls were, were iffy in my opinion, but he, he also has to be smart about putting himself in those positions. Um, but I also think Vogel has to just kind of trust, trust his dudes and trust the dude that has been way more consistent, way better of a performer than Rondo the entire season. Um, and, you know, besides the Rondo stuff, I thought they had a couple of other weird uh, lineups. They, they went back to this issue that they've had all season, but it seemed like that fixed it in the first round where, you know, a smaller dude is guarding AD and they post them up instead of trying to get him on the move. And we've been, we've been clamoring about this all year. That's not, that's not AD's game. He's a good post-up player, but he's not bumping PJ Tucker or James Harden or whoever in the post. And he had some, he, he made his jumpers again today. Um, but that's, that's not really what I want to, I don't want to live and die by Anthony Davis jumpers in the post yeah he i mean yeah like you said he shot well um he had his uh post like fade going good but it was defended really well and like you said i don't that's not a high percentage shot especially against the high three-point shooting rockets it's just not a shot you want to go to consistently and they they kept going there and it was working for a little while uh but yeah like you said i wouldn't want to live and die by that uh, i've had a hard time picking the series even three days ago and it even feels even tougher now. Uh, yeah. All I know is this series feels like seven games. It like, it really feels like it just because Harden's not going to go for 36 on 60 every game. Eric Gordon's not going to have this good of a game. They're going to have duds. LeBron's going to have a game. Anthony Davis will probably go off a game. And really to me, it's going to end up with, if you believe in game seven, LeBron or game seven, Harden, yeah. <laughs> I think the answer is pretty simple there, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but to me, this series really, really feels just like a seven-gamer. Yeah. Um, my, my prediction before the series was that it would be Lakers and six. Just mm-hmm. I, didn't, I wasn't super convinced with the Rockets in the first round, and I have been reading a lot of you know, Rockets fans and, and some of the journalists talking about how that might have been a tougher matchup for them. And, and I, I, I do understand it. Um, based on the Thunders, you know, the the fast guards that they have and having somebody who can guard hard and one-on-one and give them trouble. Um, but I just wasn't very convinced. I my, my main source of optimism right now is that the Lakers look like crap in the first game against the Blazers. Obviously, yeah. it was against a way worse team, um, and we weren't really ever concerned about them losing that series, uh, no matter how much uh, they were underdogs. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, this, this series is different in that it's obviously a much, much better team and a team that can legitimately contend for a championship, in my opinion, if, if they can get past this round. Um, but I, I do have optimism because I saw the, the adjustments that the Lakers made in, in that first round. They did uh, kind of come back to let's get Anthony Davis on the move instead of just posting him up. Um, LeBron kind of kind of found his groove, especially the last few games. The Lakers shooters shot better as, as the series went on. Uh, their defense got better as the series went on. Um, I, I think it is safe to kind of bet on the Lakers' defense coming back. Uh, I think their defense looked terrible. Today. Yeah. And, and they were one of the best defenses in the league all season long. And I trust that a lot more than I trust this one game. 
the Rockets pose a lot of more unique challenges defensively or offensively, but I, I still bet on that Lakers defense coming back, and I bet on LeBron and Anthony Davis kind of carrying the load offensively and being those stars. Um, so, so I'm not overly concerned, but you are right that I feel a lot more um, hesitant to say that the Lakers are, are going to win a, a quick series or an easy series. Um, I think you're right in that it probably will go the distance. It just it's such a chess match, man. Like the, yeah. there's such different different teams, and both of them want to kind of play their own way without giving ground to the others. I think the Rockets will never give ground to to other yeah. teams. They're, they know exactly how they want to play, and they're going to live and die by that. The Lakers are, are a little bit more wishy washy, and I think they need to figure out probably in game two how they want to play. They got to figure out if. If going small is the right way or if they are going to play big, then they really got to play big and actually take advantage of those situations. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because my next question was going to be, have the Lakers at all this season uh, been willing to go away from that too big, heavy uh, lineup? Dwight Howard obviously getting 11 minutes, I think, today. Um, like you said, the, the Rockets have their system. That's This is what they're going to be. They're not going to try out Tyson Chandler. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're staying small. Um, and so I agree with you. The big question is, do the Lakers believe that they can go big and grab enough rebounds uh, offensive-wise to beat this team, or are they going to adjust and go smaller? Uh, and so is that something they've shown at all this season that they're willing to do? Did they do it all last series? They, so they, they, don't, they don't consistently do it. They don't ever start mm-hmm. small. They don't ever uh, – consistently go to that well but they have shown a willingness to go away from it within a game or within a series i think the last series uh it became kind of clear that they would be able to play with their two bigs they didn't need to play small and part of that was because the blazers uh you know in in part because of their injuries they had to trot out those big big lineups as well they were playing Whiteside and nurkic together at times uh so you could live with having javel out on the floor guarding hassan Whiteside. um and they've had other instances throughout the uh, the year. One, one game that uh, kind of stands out, I think, was early on uh, in the season, uh, maybe even one of their, their first, like, five games or so against Utah, uh, where they kind of struggled in the first half offensively. And they had struggled to start the year offensively in general. And in the second half, I don't remember if they started small, but they basically played Anthony Davis at the five the, that entire second half. Mm. And they cooked Rudy Gobert the entire time. Um, yeah. So I, I think Vogel is, isn't is necessarily tied to playing big the entire series. Now, might he start big every sing, single game? It wouldn't surprise me if he does. I don't necessarily think he's going to make a big uh, change in the starting lineup after this game. Um, but I do think that th- they're going to look at that. They're going to look at what they can do to put Anthony Davis in better situations. And this is wild to say because he had, like, a legitimately good game. If you look at yeah. the stats, like, he had, like, 24, 14, three blocks, three steals. Like, something, you know, not a lot of not a lot of guys can do, but he needs to. Yeah, in a, in a win, we're praising his game, I'm sure. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. All, yeah. But they need him to be dominant in the series because yep. the guys that are guarding him are half a foot smaller, uh, shorter than him. And, you know, as, as great as P.J. Tucker has been guarding him uh, in every instance th- this season – you know, you got to find ways to get around that. And 
to me, I, I think as much as I am a fan of a guy like Javel McGee and as great as Dwight has been all season, I don't think those guys are going to be able to play really more than a combined 10 to 15 minutes all series long. Um, and most of those, if not all of them, should be as the sole big. Yeah, and the thing is, JaVale and Dwight, neither of them are, I don't want this, it's not, I don't want this to sound bad, it's not smart, but James Harden is so clever offensively, that's the way I'll go, where they don't really have that defensively. They usually use more of their God-given talents um, than the basketball IQ, and Harden is just really good at that basketball IQ, and he, he can force them into fouls. He can force them into bad situations. Um, And so Anthony Davis is good enough to be the sole center for the Lakers in this series. And that's something I think needs to happen, whether it be game two or game four, that's something that's going to be, that needs to happen because he can dominate this series. He just really has to be okay with the fact that he's not going to get much help on the boards. He needs to dominate the boards. He needs to dominate all the little guys around him. And like you said, I was pretty surprised when I looked at his stat line after this game, honestly, because yeah. it, it didn't feel as potent as it looks on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he might have to average 30 a game to win this series. He, he might really have to do that uh, because I'm not sure the guards are going to give you enough offense to offset the Rockets guards. So the, the X factor, if you will, um, is going to have to be Anthony Davis really, really dominating and showing and showing everyone that, He's the number two that could lead the Lakers to another championship. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, AD played 37 minutes tonight, and I believe, yeah, 14 of those minutes came as the as the sole big on the floor, um, I, mm. I believe. I might, I might be a little bit mistaken on that, but something of the sort. Um, yeah, so I, I do think that is a, an adjustment that the Lakers will go to. I don't know if that means they change the starting lineup in the second game. I don't think that they will, but... Um, I think you'll see fewer minutes for Dwight and, and JaVale unless they uh, have great games, which is possible because they, they could definitely dominate the boards as well. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up with uh, what your prediction is after after game one. What do you think this, this series is going to look like? So I think, I think game two is going to be very crucial. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I think uh, James Harden will play good again. Um, I'm realizing I can't just say James. There's two Jameses. <laughs> um, I think Harden will play well, and the winner of that game will, will really dictate the direction of the entire series. Because if the Lakers again, uh, you know, look a little flat-footed, and the, the Rockets are able to make a run and win that game, I, I, I'm thinking the Rockets are winning the series because if it's hard to come back down two zero, um, and with how well. James Harden's playing, and if the guards again look bad, and like you said, if Kuzma can't step up defensively like he did in the first round matchup, I, I just don't see it for the Lakers. So, you know, even though I began this podcast with optimism for the Lakers, I think this game too. I think everyone should be a little uh, nervous about it. I think we really should be looking at that game as a real big crucial moment uh, in both of these teams. Uh, seasons and so I, I still think seven and I'm still gonna go Lakers uh, but I said I I predicted seven for the thunder uh, a, a game seven win for the thunder uh, last round I was just barely wrong so maybe this time I'll be just barely right 
I, I also, uh, no, no offense, but I also uh, <laughs> picked the Thunder <laughs> in seven in the first round. Um, is. <laughs> I, I still feel fairly confident in the Lakers winning this series. Um, I don't know if I, I, I guess I, w- I would just stick to my guns and say in six, but I do agree with you uh, that game two is about as much of a must win as you can have in a game two of a series. Yeah. Uh, coming back down from from two zero is just so difficult. Um, obviously, it can happen, and, and it might happen in the East with the Raptors series after the you know the OG three and uh, game three. Uh, but I I don't I don't really want the Lakers in that in that position because then uh, I would expect them to make massive changes and changes that they're not used to playing with, and and I don't know how they would be able to adjust to that. Um, yeah. Me, yeah. Sorry. Go. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, yeah, I would be nervous uh, because as I've watched Harden so many times, um, if he's playing with a lead series-wise in a playoff, he's much, much better. And one yeah. game isn't typically enough. I believe he took one uh, from the Warriors with about, just about nobody um, around him, and it didn't really matter. And I think that series is over in five. Uh, but that game too, it, it it's really crucial because he plays a little more out of control if his team isn't in control in the series. So I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's just you know if the Lakers fix a lot of tiny tiny mistakes, it's just so many details, and it just it didn't look like the focus of a championship team, which is disappointing. Um, but I also expect them to fix those issues. I fix I expect the rotations to be a lot more crisp. I expect them to not have those miscommunications where two dudes are running at one guy on defense or um, one guy's cutting one way and the pass is going the other way. Those issues I think should be cleared up in game two. I'm fairly confident in that. Now, whether that's enough, who knows, but uh, I, I think you'll see a much better fight from the Lakers. And ultimately I'm expecting and obviously hoping that, you know, the experience of a guy like LeBron and him kind of, Taking those adjustments from game one and making them in game two is going to be enough to to take take that win and and make this uh, you know uh, best of five series. Yeah, and, and the last strategical thing um, that I'll say uh, is, you know, you said earlier in the podcast that this is one of the least amount of threes the Rockets have shot all playoff long, or if the least. Um, and a big aspect of, of that is the Lakers guards were pushing and recovering very very hard, and they were getting beat off the dribble, as I said earlier. Uh, and causing a lot of dribble penetration. And so they were getting a lot of layups, a lot of stuff inside. And so I would suggest Lakers guards not press as much, not get on the shooter, make them shoot a lot of threes because um, we've seen them miss a lot of threes. Um, and obviously a layup is a much better, much easier shot. And so that's one thing. Recover a little less urgent, stay back. Uh, and I think, you know, they'll have much more success. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right, so we'll just wrap it up. Uh, definitely want to thank Justin for jumping on here, kind of last minute asking him to do this because Gary couldn't bother to be here. Um, <laughs> no problem. Uh, as always, for everybody that is listening, uh, follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, at Lakers Outsiders, and Facebook as well. Uh, look for all our work on LakersOutsiders.com. We had a lot of stuff leading up to the series. We'll have a lot more tomorrow and, and Sunday as well. Um, the podcast review, subscribe, rate, whatever on whatever platform, uh, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, etc. 
Um, Justin, again, you can find him on Twitter at J-U-S-T-I-N-J-E-T-T underscore. Um, I'm Hani Imadian uh, at H-O-N-I-A-H-M on Twitter. Uh, once again, just want to thank Justin. And until next time, we are signing off.